This is Advanced Fashion Disruption Season 2 Episode 1. Co-hosts Benson Roberts III and Megan Somerville talk creative trade. Times, uh, here's an interesting thing that you should know about me uh, in case uh, it should ever occur. Um, when I am dangerously hurt at someone, dangerously hurt, which generally involves um, angry hurt feelings, I, rather than... Uh, being abusive or attacking or venting at that person, I tend to withdraw. Um, and sometimes, like, I will block people to keep from even being able to vent or blow up at them. Because I know how expansive my fire can be when I let it go. I get that. And I I generally will go back after a period of time. And uh, I, I think most people kind of know this because I've explained it publicly many times. But Sometimes I'm like, I just have to have, we have to have space because I'm angry and hurt and I don't know exactly why. And I'm not ready to talk about it because I'm dangerous right now and I don't want to abuse you. Um, and when I know, so that's kind of what happened. She, she set me up. I, I did this amazing gown for an underwater shoot and the model was ridiculous. And I didn't know that they were shooting my 12 foot gown in like six feet of water. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, still, you need all the volume. Otherwise, it's just a fucking dress. Uh, and they got amazing stuff. They got a cover of a magazine with it. So it worked out. And then she was going to shoot um, um, Crystal, Crystal, Crystal Beth, Betha, Buta. What the hell is it? It's some actress that was a singer, actress, Twin Peaks, David mm. Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was connected with her on Facebook, and then I had my election night freak out, meltdown, delete everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, understandable. So um, I started creating something for her to photograph Christabella in, and then she just shot her in some bathtub full of glitter, and, and I'm like, not cool. Mm. Not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you didn't try to pull something. I, you actually asked me to create something. And then I, several times I had asked her to shoot stuff. And she was like, well, I feel like shooting your stuff. You're always in control. And I'm like, uh, no, it's always collaborative. I definitely have a story I need to tell because it's editorial. But, like, you you get to, okay. And what about all of the times that you've reached out and specifically had me make specific things for you? Isn't there reciprocity in that? So just, I, I think she was going through an expansion phase. Um, I got her her first magazine covers or our our collaboration got magazine covers. And I think she was getting expansive and maybe got a little big for her britches. And um, I couldn't deal with any friction at the time because Mark and I were really starting to have a very seriously challenging time um, separating from each other and separating each other from the combined business entity that we had created. So I think that that some of that residual um, impacted my ability to negotiate friendships. So, but uh, Candace Guy is one of the most talented photographers. She and Nico Nordstrom, quite frankly, and uh, Jerry Hanan, I think, are the most talented of the photographers in um, in the Austin area. They're all world class, and of course, Larry Johnson. Um, shout out to Candace, Nico, Larry, and uh, who was the other one? I Candace, Nico, Jerry, and Larry. Jerry and Larry. 
Jerry and Larry. Yes. Okay. Uh, amazing people that, that uh, their work and their vision and their acute sense of uh, lighting and positioning and storytelling did wonders for my career. And I miss them all. So I'm very happy to be able to build this bridge back and reconnect with Miss Candace. She truly is just one of the most delightful, intelligent, powerful women. I, I, I ran across an Angela Davis clip uh, and I sent it out to 30 or 40 of the most powerful women I know mm-hmm. talking about uh, it, it's it's not a dark time. It's time for women to rise. Uh, you yes. got one. <laughs> I love Angela Davis. Oh, I see you're recording I again. I am Good recording. Morning. Hey, turn off your fan. <laughs> Uh, oh, 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 yes. Yeah. Is, is this better? Absolutely. Hold on. Is this better? Yep. Okay. I just, I just turned it over. Oh yeah. Perfect. That oh, works too. Yeah. For um, whatever reason, it's like it is. perfect level for, for that. Well, and you know, when you're talking about um, Candace and Nico, when I have people approach me and they talk to me about like, you know, what is, what is your vision or your voice or, you know, what are your inspiration shots um, for, you know, what you envision? And I routinely <laughs> send their work. Like, please, please look at this work. This is the level that I'm looking for. If you don't want to come at me for a, a photo shoot idea at this level, then I don't have time. Like, I, and I wish I had time. I just don't like, but I enjoy that creative po- process and I enjoy fostering creativity, but like, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting that we're, we're having this particular conversation because one of the things that I wanted to discuss was how, when, where, and why to trade um, skill sets. And, and I will tell you, um, I think that the reason that I most enjoy working with with both Nico Nordstrom and Candace Guy is they bring a female eye to the set behind the camera. And when an image ends up being incredibly sexy, it's not sexualized or objectification of the model. It ends up being these powerful, sensual um, images and quite frankly, for editorial, these two amazingly bright, brilliant, talented, skillful, um, accomplished women know not to ask the model to stick her ass out like a maxim shoot. They truly get the the necessity of of um, showing a strong woman and. Uh, having her imbue the garment with life as opposed to a dress draped over a hottie. Uh, and, and I think the reason I really appreciated working with Jerry um, and Larry, shout out Jerry, shout out Larry, is that both of them, while they have a male eye, their male eye is um, trained and honed to find both the sexual and the sensual to, to create images of the woman um, that are just brilliant and not objectified. And, and you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with the male eye at all, um, but it is probably not always the best eye for fashion, which I think is why most straight guys shoot boudoir and what I call pinup cheesecake, 
And most of the men who shoot fashion tend to be gay. Um, just an observation based on 40 years mm -hmm. experience. Um, and I think that there, that that's, that's an interesting thing. So when I run across women who are talented and accomplished, I'm always down to trade always, if their work is brilliant. And if they do come to the level of a Nico, Candace, Jerry, um, or, or Larry, I'm always down to trade. Um, but when I run across a man that, that has, has something that is not using his penis to click the shutter, he gets in a little further and, and becomes somebody that I might consider working with. And I've worked with some amazing straight men. Please, straight men, don't think that I'm hetero bashing. I'm not. Um, but, but you do see things differently and you view the female form differently. And I, I think that when a straight man shoots a garment, he's shooting a woman in a dress. And when a woman or a gay man shoots a garment, they are shooting a dress on a woman as a whole. It's holistic. Anyway, so trading. Do you still trade? I haven't um, done trading in, oh, um, it's probably been two years. And then um, my most recent collaboration was with an Austin photographer, um, Teodora Poganat. So shout out, Tio. And I've worked, I've, I've, I haven't worked with her. But I did let her pull a garment once, and she has come. So she far. has a really amazing eye for light, and she's very professional. The first time I met her actually was the first time we worked together. Um, to I guess it's been two and a half years ago at this point, um, almost exactly, because it was on New Year's Day at Union Station here in Denver, and. Um, she had pulled some, um, the request rather was to pull some jackets um, for a younger model of hers and um, ended up getting published. And so that was great. And then she and I ended up forming a friendship um, after that, just kind of really worked together very naturally and have visited socially with each other a couple times since then. Um, and then we started working on a project um, that I had a really deep desire and heart space to start and um, I had originally started it with another photographer we had um, talked about it and you know kind of began the the process of envisioning um, that together as a collaborative <laughs> process right right and right. Um, that photographer ended up taking it to a different group of people and began shooting it with that those people the idea bad it was a really shitty form bad form so you you need to send me that photographer's oh, yeah. name so that i can put them on my personal blacklist because i don't work with people who have the ethics of a snail mm -hmm. although i think snails would i almost put snails in snails my would... um fish tank today <laughs> speaking of snails i think i think snail I, I i want to tell you i saw snails and turtles going in there uh, maybe if I get the slightly bigger one and the girls are like, oh, we want a turtle. And I don't right, know if I ever, right. like, turtles. sidebar, I don't know if I ever told you my grandmother, my dad's mom, had turtles growing up. And she had a female turtle um, who had baby turtles, obviously. But um, I just loved the name that she gave her. Um, it was um, Mrs. Grimes and her husband, the other turtle half was um, Fluffy. So Fluffy and Mrs. Grimes were, were my grandmother's pet that. turtles. 
And, and I will tell you, turtles are a great pet for a young person to have because they don't die as quickly as cats or dogs or hamsters or rabbits. Now, some, some, some of those trade situations um, can be horrifying. Mm-hmm. And some can yeah. be amazing. You know, Teresa Romero, who um, uh, I guess technically is still the creative beauty director we haven't worked together since before the pandemic, but you know there was a pandemic, and the fact that I was in Detroit, uh, we met on a shoot that we were both invited to by um, uh, Raphael Umscheid. Mm-hmm. Shout out Raphael! Shout out Teresa! And Teresa and I climbing down into some fucking canyon in Texas and into a cave, and I'm like, I'm not climbing into the cave. Not going to happen. You guys are not strong enough <laughs> to lift my broken body out. Should I fall? Um, but she climbed down into that cave and we ended up giving her a ride home and stopping in McDonald's and we clicked so well that it was inevitable that we would work together and truly working with her as the creative director for the, the styling and beauty of the models lifted my editorial images to a place where, well, we, we, we were in the top five uh, at Naha North American Hair Awards, which is something that tens of thousands of people enter. And I I miss working with her. And that came from a trade. And the reason I want to talk about trades is just again today, just again today. And I see it all the time. And it sort of um, simultaneously pisses me off and then makes me sad and breaks my heart for the person posting it. Uh, it, it's, It's either going to be a model or it's going to be a photographer. Generally, it's just those two. Although I have seen people from an editorial team like the makeup artist or hairstylist or designer or or wardrobe stylist post similar things. Um, I'm no longer trading. I'm only getting paid now. Mm-hmm. And um, I've reached out so many times to explain that you basically just told me that you felt that I took advantage of you. Yeah. And that I should have paid you. And what you're not recognizing is that there is more, uh, there there are more types of currency than than the dollar and and coins, and talent is a currency, and when you bring a team of people together, every one of you is getting paid by everyone there, and and it's not just the image, it's the chance to work with people that that you can't afford. As a model, I mm-hmm. certainly. Darling, I can afford you, uh, and I, I and I would. But if I, if I if it wasn't a trade, I would hire you. If it was for editorial or sales, if I was going to use you as propaganda to disseminate to sell garments, of course I would pay. Um, but I point out that at my level, and you know, not to not to be self-aggrandizing, but I am going to claim a claim. Uh, I I am a pretty fucking brilliant designer and I do have some renown at my level. I still trade. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself why? Well, you know, you only have to bring the clothes. Okay. (laughs) See now, now we begin to understand how you don't understand what you're being paid. Do you know that the three gowns that you wore, if a photographer wanted to pull them or a model wanted to pull them, even if they were brilliant and I love them and they promised that they were going into French Vogue, I would still charge them a cleaning fee, minimum. Mm-hmm. Because it can be 350 to $550 or more 
if I have to unbead and rebead a thing to clean each dress. And they get cleaned every time they're worn, every single yeah. time. It would be gross if I wasn't sending them off to be cleaned. It would be gross for the next model. And it would also be gross because body uh, body acids and, and oils damage garments, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and I, I go on to explain that um, my rules of trade are this. I will always trade the fuck up. Yes, you bet your ass I will. If it's a model that, that is, is at a higher level of prestige and and respect than I am or a photographer, um, done. What do you need? Let me send you the whole fucking Z-Rack. Take whatever you want. <laughs> Cut things in half. Um, you know, and, and I will most often trade laterally with people who are at my level because it is important for me to have fresh content. And when I'm not selling or when I'm not pushing a line or when I'm not um, being asked to do editorial on spec, uh, speculation, um, it is still important in the age of social media for me to have new content just to keep people engaged. Absolutely. Uh, even if I'm shooting the same dress a hundred different ways, it's important uh, to have fresh media. Um, and I will often trade down, which means that I see someone like, like Theodora um, or I see someone who is new, um, that I see something in, whether it's a photographer or a model or a makeup artist or a hair artist. If I see something in them and I understand that having good wardrobe on set will lift their end result, why wouldn't I give a hand up? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Also, when I trade, there is always a contract. It is very clear what everyone is expecting from everyone else. It is very clear what I am offering. It is very clear what I am asking for what I'm offering. And um, I think one of the common um, questions that young people who are new to our industry act, no matter which position they are in, fashion designer, photographer, what have you, is, um, is it normal too? Honey, there's no normal. What is normal is what you contract for. Mm -hmm. If it's not in the contract that you agreed to, then you can stop and either renegotiate your contract or pull out. And both of those are appropriate things to do. But you, when they hand you a contract, if that contract doesn't work for you, that contract is not ironclad. That contract is to be negotiated. And if you can't negotiate something that is uh, equitable and comfortable for all parties, then, then you know that that's the red flag, that you should not work with that person at this time. Yeah. You may be able to work with them at another time. Uh, so if you are one of these young people who gets on social media because you need to pay your phone bill and um, you don't have the money and you decide it's every person you'd ever trade with's fault for not valuing you and uh, you're only working for money, I unless you're in New York or L.A., you're not probably going to get any more work and your uh, star is going to fade because your content will become stale. And quite frankly, those trades are the only thing that are helping you to rise to a point where you can get paid. You know, I had a, a model that, that we put on the cover of a magazine, one of the top selling hair and beauty magazines in the country, put her on the cover. 
this model ranted and raved and I'd finally made it and I got a cover and I feel so blessed. And the next time the exact same team asked her to work with us for more editorial content, she said she couldn't unless we paid her. And I immediately unfriended, blocked, and no longer associated with that person. Because what they told me is they did not understand the value of what the team brought to her in that magazine cover. You cannot buy a magazine cover of a real published paper magazine from the New York editorial and publishing community. You cannot buy the no, cover. No. We gave you something worth a million dollars and are offering you the opportunity to do it again. And you want to charge us a model rate. And it wasn't that we couldn't pay a model rate. It was that it was inappropriate to ask the team who had helped her to, in her own words, I've made it. Yeah. It's, it's important to, to remember reciprocity. It's important to understand that those relationships are their own currency. Megan, you know that if you needed a gown to shoot lingerie with, and you called me, no hesitation. Mm -hmm. When I needed uh, lingerie to, to shoot for a magazine uh, that ended up published in two different magazines, you sent me an entire box, which I still have someplace in Michigan in storage. Okay. So that is because of relationships. Mm -hmm. And those relationships, in our case, and in the case of this young woman, yielded results that were amazing. Those two magazine spreads that you got were awesome. Yeah, they were really beautiful. So, and, I, um, and I'm still connected to the model who is out of state, and um, of course to Teresa, and uh, it's and the photographer, and and it's just um, amazing that when you have these peer relationships like what you and I have and these asks for existing wardrobe, even though there's value there, um, can elevate one's own work at the same time expanding your net work. And there's a reason why the that word is in there is that you know it's this network of people that will eventually guide you to the work that you're supposed to be doing and then and that's my woo woo gut feeling about all of it well well your woo woo gut feeling can be taken to the bank you know when i teach fashion i i i often teach design students with merchandising students and they instantly form a hierarchy hmm where the uh, merchandising students are sort of like the um, couldn't be a designer level. And the designers have this very haughty attitude. And I tell them that, uh, frankly, their attitude sucks and is unfortunate because the truth of the matter is that these students that you're looking down on as just in merchandising are the very people that will one day make some other designer successful by creating merchandising campaigns for their wear to make certain that their sell-through is good. And the merchandisers also often, very often become art directors. Uh, they become the gatekeepers for designers. The gatekeepers, right? <laughs> so I said, you all need to look at each other and form relationships today because the greatest currency that you can have going forward in your career are relationships. And one day when I was having that conversation, 
I ended up getting a phone call in the middle of class from um, a, a, a high-end player in textiles in Los Angeles. Uh, with Michael Levine, this man, Freddie, shout out Freddie, shout out Michael Levine. This man, Freddie, uh, and Michael Levine began the fashion fabric district, those two. That's how high up this man was. His, his father was the seventh marshal to the Shah of Iran before the Ayatollah, right? Mm -hmm. Huge moneyed, well-moneyed, well-heeled, well-educated family. And uh, Freddie called and we were talking and he said, oh, how's the story going? And I said, I still haven't reopened. And, there, and I'm having this on speaker. And I told him I'm going to let my class listen uh, because we were just talking about relationships in our industry. And uh, are you comfortable letting them hear our conversation? He said, well, I will try not to say fuck. I said, hey, you're not employed. You can say fuck if you want to. Um, and he said, well, when you're ready, call me. I said, Freddie, it's going to be quite some time before I can afford the high-end fabrics that, that I've carried from you. He said, no, Benson, you don't understand. When you are ready, you call me and I will send you a carton. And you pay when you sell. So do you know what he's talking about when he yeah, says a carton? Yeah, totally. He's talking about a seagoing carton. That could be as much as a million yards of fabric. Well, and I want to. And his fabric I wanna, is is high, it end. Is high end. It's all it all sells for three and four hundred. It's all beaded with real beads and real sewn sequins. Um, so the man was offering to basically let me have a credit line worth I don't know, a hundred and twenty million, mm -hmm. because of our relationship. And so those relationships are sacred. Well, and I want to go back uh, and, to what you were talking about, um, speaking to your students about the gatekeepers and, you know, this um, cleave in hierarchy um, within the students. But the reason why they become these gatekeepers is that they have an eye for this. There's a reason why stylists become stylists. And if a designer can't, embrace that somebody else can edit and see things differently from them then they're going to have an even harder road in the design field than before and you know that's aside from um you know sourcing which is its own you know intricacy um and can be for some clients nightmare right and and having a a source where people are like no i'm i'm ready for you to get back up and running you call me when you're ready i mean that is an amazing opportunity and the fact that your students got to not only hear about this really important relationship building early on with their editing I peers and that they can listen in to a conversation not dissimilar to what we do about how relationships change and forge people's entire careers entire careers it's it, and, and that is the truth in fashion and in film and in music and in corporate America the relationships that you build. I mean, you hear the trite version of uh, watch how you treat people because you never know if one day they'll be there to hire you. I mean, that's a really caustic, trite way of saying it, but it's also true. 
um, the relationships that you form with people, especially the people who are going to work within your industry, should be nurtured like fine roses. They should be nurtured. You, you're going to put up with a few thorns. People like like have feelings and they'll have uh, misunderstandings and they'll miss the mark and they'll be ego monsters. I, I mean, look at Miss Candace Guy and I. I can't wait for the day when I can put garments back in front of Candace so and in front of uh, um, Nico and in front of Larry and in front of Jerry. Um, I can't wait. I, I mean, it, it keeps it keeps me hanging on. You know, I can't kill myself because I've got a bunch of clothes that have never been shot by these masterful uh, artists. Yeah, it's, it's like this, so, this privilege of being able to work with people that have a skill set equal to yours in their own fields. It's really kind of a special thing, right? <laughs> I, it is, and I, I will tell you, um, and this is something that I don't talk about often because uh, it is not entirely my story to tell, and it, it can come off as braggadocious, um, and it's also painful to talk about. Um, people in Austin knew that I had uh, somebody that worked for Italian Vogue that um, was, was working to put us in the Italian Vogue print edition. And we would, we would show, we actually did this with Candace. We shot some things and I sent them to my friend in Italian Vogue and they made suggestions. That's really cool, but it's awfully clubby and a little, um, maybe a little too goth dark metal for the magazine. And I, and I'm like, I, you are absolutely right. Um, and I would never tell or say or brag about who this was, but it was Francesca who was the publisher of Italian Vogue. And I happened to meet her once in New York um, when I was trying to sell my wares. We were staying at the same hotel and uh, she had dropped some stuff and I bent over and picked it up and uh, we started a conversation. We had caught, I had no idea who she was. She was just this wonderful, warm woman with a beautiful accent, elegant, long neck and so smart. And um, she handed me her card when she left and she said, I would like to stay in touch. Hmm. I see something in you. And I was, I was maybe in my mid to late twenties. And when she, I, I didn't even think about it. I said, thank you. And I put it in my pocket, like whatever, you know, uh, sure, honey. Um, I, I, I'm a designer and I'm here to add business. I don't have time for friendships. When I started putting the cards together at the end of that, that showing, it was my first boutique show. Um, I realized that it was, it was the publisher or the, the, the editor of Italian Vogue. And so we had correspondence for years until she died of cancer. Um, so you really never do know what relationships will bring and, and who it is that you're meeting. And, you know, I, I, I suppose I was polite because pretty much everyone that was staying in the hotel, the Edison Hotel, um, was there for something to do with apparel. It's right in the heart of the apparel district uh, with Broadway a half a block away. Um, so, you know, I was cognizant that I was going to be surrounded by peers, but it never occurred to me that this was somebody of such importance. And my God, was she an intelligent woman, intelligent, insightful, humorous, kind, and brutal. That's shit. <laughs> okay. But why is it shit? You can't see why that's shit. Okay. 
it's because of this. Yes, the why are you showing me shit? I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to hear you say shit. I wish um, we had just something an amazing... like that in our lives, you know, and I feel like Judy was like that for me on a personal level. You know, when I would take her things, she would, you know, turn them inside out like I would do and like, this is garbage. You need to pick them seams, uh, you know, and that's right. my voice, not hers. And, um, you know, it would be so amazing to tap into some higher up um, stylists about all myriad of different things, you know, to pick their brain about, you know, why is this shit? <laughs> well, you know, well, you know um, we, we actually have somebody in our realm now that is at that level. Well, Jen Sittery yeah, Jen is. is at that level. I mean, Jen Sittery is a global force. Uh, she's not a stylist, but my God, she had the couture um, collection for Zappo. She worked with uh, Vivian Westwood. So this is a person who, who, uh, and you know, Jen, so Jen is brilliant, nice. funny and bubbly, but that woman is also going to be brutal when she needs to be. She's not going to pull punches. No. So we sort of have that. And, and, um, there are other people that are in, and I will share, I, I mean, it never occurs to me not to share, but there are other people that I work with that are friends of mine, um, that you will, you will meet as we travel forward. Um, some of the top stylists and hairstylists in the fucking world, publishers of uh, um, Behind the Chair, which is a beauty and hair magazine. Um, one of the top, if not the top beauty expert in the entire country, um, clients, including uh, Martha Stewart and Bon Jovi. Uh, so th there are people that, that work at those levels that um, I just think of them as my friends. But as we grow closer and as Global Voices of Fashion grows and as uh, Advanced Fashion Podcast grows, I'm going to start inviting some of my friends to be our guests. And several of them I'm going to invite or, or I'm going to petition to put up for uh, inviting to be on our uh, advisory board. So, and I bet if you really looked at the people you know, um, you'd realize that you actually have some people that you don't think of how how well connected they are you just think of them as your yeah it, you know and it's it's usually that way for me it's just and it's the i think it's the matter of fact brain of of mine that just kind of goes you know okay you know that that person yeah, no, knows this skill set and when i need to talk about that skill set or i want to hear more about what they're doing then i call them you know and i think you're right i think and, and, and megan you have you have you have lingering imposter syndrome. Oh my God, big time. Yes, absolutely. And that prevents you from understanding uh, your own status in our industry and what it is that you actually bring to the table. Um, I really am not an elitist. I hate elitism. I'm more an inclusionist, but I do have an intense, integral, very clear understanding about people's positioning within my industry, because it's my fucking job to have that understanding. And I consider you to be one of the captains of our industry. Uh, I heard that you didn't get the gig. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. And I think it's wonderful that you did, that you did try. I think it's awesome that you opened the door to that possibility. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's probably a blessing in some ways that you didn't, 
because I have this feeling that we're about to get real fucking pissy. Well, and you know, when we're about to wrap up our um, episodes, I always like to um, do my woo woo draw cards stuff. (laughs) So if you're ready for that, I'm, I'm ready. I am totally ready. Okay. Card number 60 creator alchemy. And card number 33, (laughs) Sacred Mirrors. I see you. (laughs) You do. Yeah. Um, So I respect you as much as I respect myself. And while I don't often let on that I understand the level that I work at, I am truly one of the most brilliant designers working today. Well, and... And I think that you are too. I, I think you're a brilliant designer. Um, absolutely. Solamente. Um, Solamente. Mama. <clears throat> hey, hey, just keep the fucking polyester off my goddamn table. Thank you for listening to Advanced Fashion Disruption. This has been Season 2, Episode 1. You can catch all of our episodes at advancedfashiondisruption.com. And there you can click on Angel for Fashion and support Ukrainian designers. You can also find boldly at every bottom of our page of our website a link to Patreon. Buy us a cup of coffee, make us feel good, ask us a question, and we'll probably like do all kinds of shout-outs to you. We love you. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow where we finish up this conversation.